Hello and welcome to another Not Chili podcast. Here we are, season three, finally. Oh my god, I am sorry that it has been a while since I've come out. I've got a bunch of new people on here, which is fantastic. One of the most exciting things about this season is that there's going to be new voices in this, uh, which is a much needed thing. Not just hearing my uh, my voice, but um, just different perspectives from different people. And I want to keep trying to introduce as many people as I can, as many people will be willing to sit in front of a microphone and tolerate my uh, being all over the place time-wise. But this should be an interesting season because of that. You're going to hear some perspectives that you hadn't heard before and something that I've been kind of boasting about doing for a while. And I finally got a chance to, and I'm still in the process of recording more episodes. I'm going to go on a slower cycle uh, I feel like every two weeks I'm going to upload uh, just because I've got a bunch of things going on. And But I've preemptively recorded some other episodes. The whole series about Star Wars is also coming, which is exciting. Um, that's going to be with uh, our friend Tony, who you will meet at some point very soon. I'm not sure exactly when the schedule will come out. Uh, an episode that's coming really soon is uh, Molly. It's a direct friend that I work with. Uh, so that's going to be also exciting. Uh, obviously, Josh is back in the mix. Uh, if something from last season is uh, Ian is also going to be on the mix. Stu is also going to be on the mix. So just a whole different pile of voices. But to start us off, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, it's got to be a Pixar film. Uh, and it's also talking about mental health and talking about the mind and the way it portrays it. It's just, ah, man, it just it just makes me so happy. And the film is, if you haven't already guessed, is uh, Inside Out. So sit back or keep driving safely and get ready for um, Josh and I having a big chat. Thanks. Ah, that's a really nice t-shirt. That's new. No, I've had it for like a decade. Really? Yeah, yeah. I wear it really infrequently. How the hell do you keep t-shirts in such like nice condition? I don't wear them often. <laughs> uh, probably, I don't know. Uh, it's magic. Uh, I, I I do have quite a lot of t-shirts that I haven't like changed, and yeah. this is probably not a decade. I'm trying to remember if I got this. Did you get it before or after 2009? Yeah, right. You know, people like doing that thing at the moment. Uh, have you seen it? Like the Facebook oh, profile. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going from your first profile to, and it's kind of become like a 2009 to 2019 thing. Mm. And I'm like, my first profile picture was in like 2007. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because we actually had Facebook. Because we're not, we're old enough. That's it. We're old enough. No, we were young enough. Don't even we're old enough. We were uh, we were young enough to be there when it started in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when Not, did it start in the states? Uh, two thousand four slash five. Like that's when he originally came up with the idea and they started developing it. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, season three. Woohoo! We're doing it. Outside in. Yeah, that's the movie. Oh my god, season three. So, I, this is crazy. I apologize for any grossness if any makes it through the edit because I currently am feeling. Are awful. you actually apologizing to the audience or to me? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're disgusting, and I'm gonna have to cut that and the and me saying that you're disgusting because I can only be perceived as a very nice person. That's true. So welcome. Thank you. You're gonna be the first episode. Wow. You have the privilege of being. That's why. Is that uh, going to be this episode? It's going to be this episode. Oh, this wow. is going to be the first episode of season three of the Not Chili podcast. How do you feel? Confused. Didn't we record something just before the break and it we didn't did. go up? It was MASH. 
It was another episode of Mash or South Park. Oh, and it went up? No. So yeah, we did one of Mash. I got one extra one, which I might throw in. Oh, like uh, in the cupboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it will be a 2018 podcast somewhere in the mm. midst of this. If I get like, once I start the train, then uh, if I get like caught in any way, I might throw that in. I, I don't like the idea of just constantly like, you know, unlimited content. I, I, I kind of, I think it's like, I'm a rewatcher. I, whenever I watch movies, I usually find the 10 or 20 films I really love. And then I just cycle them through my life and then occasionally throw in a new one. And so I don't understand, like, I, not that I don't understand, I completely get why YouTube in particular is like that. But part of me thinks it's a really destructive style of uh, so making. burnout. Yeah. On Burns everyone. It's like, I was reading an article about a while ago where it was, yeah, <clears throat> talking about YouTube burnout. It was quite interesting. And mm. today it was like, a, you know, Philip DeFranco show. They sort of had like a behind the scenes channel for the last two and a half years. Or yep, yep. Or they, they, they're on and off that, but it's quite quite regular, yeah. Oh, so like they ended it today and they ended their podcast. And it was just so interesting to come back in. Like, I haven't watched him on a regular basis for, I don't know, since probably 2012 or 13 or yeah, something. Yeah, that's different. And so coming back to it, it was like, what the fuck is this show? Mm. What is happening? But the alert came up, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest, I've since unbelled him because um, mm-hmm. I'm just like... Do you mean I, his main show or the behind the scenes? Just all of it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I still watch his main show. It was just interesting to read the contents. There were so comments like, God, this just... Oh, I didn't read those. I'm scum and villainy. It's, uh, it's right. such a, like, YouTube comments that it's the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah, I don't... Mm. But it was like, I'm not watching your thing anymore, because, like, yeah, news is great, but this was way more, more like, entertaining content. It's like, they want to focus on making news as a news platform. So, mm. that's what they want to do. Like, yeah, yeah. there isn't a fun... There is like, you know, after every episode of the news on ABC, there isn't like a fun bit where we see behind the scenes. People falling over down flights of stairs on, yeah. onto cushions. Yeah. Know, like, it yeah, was, yeah. It was just like, it's just interesting to see how that happens. But um, oh yeah, his style of editing annoys me now. I think that's the main thing. Okay. Um, yeah. But overall, like, oh my God, what a, what an incredible like business story it is. Yeah. He's- that's, that's phenomenal. It's incredible what he's achieved. I just feel like it. It, 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 I'm starting to get that feeling in my life where it's kind of like, you know, like a teenager will be on like some new platform that you haven't heard of before. Mm. What do you mean? You're not on Squinky? Come yeah, on, yeah, man. Yeah. We're all on Squinky. It's like, we used to be on Squinky before everyone else. Oh, yeah, totally. But now I feel like I'm not on Squinky. And the thing that I found quite funny is I don't fucking care. Yes. So I was like, oh, this is great. All these developments. Good for you, Philip DeFranco. I don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't affect me, so I'll stay a subscriber. I'm not going to... I just unbelled him, that's all. I never really belled... Just I don't bell anyone. Oh, man. I've got a bunch of stuff belled, but my my number one bell is props out to Digital Foundry. Oh, yeah. My favorite YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. For, for those, once again, the 10 people listening... <laughs> Hopefully this year I can get like if you're interested 20. yeah if you're interested in technology or video games Digital Foundry those guys their content is amazing yeah. Digital Foundry at YouTube.com. I think probably YouTube. whatever just com slash Digital Foundry but Thanks. anyway so that brings us of course to inside computers. out computers to computers that's right animation yep 
and an amazing film. This is one that I like. This is something we're going to do anyway. We're going to go through the Pixar films. Oh, are we? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But oh, I watched yeah. Toy Story 2 the other day. That doesn't matter. We'll watch it towards the end so that you feel refreshed. <laughs> I watched Star Wars the other day and we're about to do that. That's what's happening this season. How would you do that? Uh, I just really wanted to watch the... the, the, the oh, episode the, eight. Yeah, The Last yeah, Jedi right. again. Not, yeah. No, no, I didn't watch all of Star Wars, no. Because as a quick shout out to this season, this has also hopefully got me to push to actually do it. Uh, <laughs> Pixar, um, uh, Star Wars is going to happen this, this season. And uh, just more people. You know, I've got yeah, other people lined that's, up. That's, yeah, I'd really love to hear that. And, and do you mean hear more people? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I didn't know you were a listener. Because uh, then again, you really said that you hate your own voice. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I listen to all the episodes. Oh, really? But it's like, you know, I know what I said. Yeah, exactly. So it's no surprise. It's just <laughs> yeah. noise. Well, sometimes. What the fuck? Did I say? <laughs> what did he make me say? How did he cut those? Yeah. Uh, no, I will say from from uh, a first beautiful episode. Beautiful genius. Yeah. <laughs> that um the from the first episode the like the um r and and difficult cutting is is changed dramatically. It's I wholeheartedly agree with this approach. Oh, I always do that, but it, it's not a it's not as much of a it doesn't happen as often anymore because yeah, yeah. we're just a lot more, you know. We're just such pros. Oh yeah. That's 24 why- episodes is not a small amount when you think about it. That's actually yeah. quite a lot of content. We do speak differently when we're on like, you know, if we were sitting having a conversation, we wouldn't be flowing as you know, at a cafe. Oh, yeah, yeah. We kind of mumble over each other a little bit more. Yeah. Well, we just know when to pause, I guess. But do you, I've realized that I've actually... I'm doing that more in normal conversation, though. I'm listening and then letting people finish their sentences. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that doing a podcast makes you... No, I can't say that as a blanket statement. Mm. I feel like, for me, doing a podcast has has made me have to focus a lot more on listening skills. And I think that that makes you a better person. Yeah, no, no, I, I will say that. Because it's it's one of the issues I have with that, and I always feel I'm really bad about because I like listening to what other people are saying, is because of like my anxiety and OCD, mm. that stream of thoughts can sometimes distract me from what people are saying. Mm-hmm. So rather than me not caring what people are saying and not being interested, I might go off on a different sort of tangent that's to do with that stuff um usually in just normal conversation it's it's something that's like really important to to work on i was reading reading a really good article someone posted the other day about like 2019 your film networking year kind of thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know one of those annoying start of the year inspiration articles (laughs) uh but it was a really it was it, it was stuff i've read a million times before but you just it's nice to remind yourself and it was like when you go networking like the number one thing is stop and listen to what other people are saying and really ask them this is one i find so interesting like i was at a networking event recently mm. and um i was by myself for a while because georgia was running late and then you know talking to some people and a lot of yes no questions happen mm-hmm. and you're just like where do you go with this? Like you can't converse with yes, no questions. No, it's it's, Um, no. Yeah. And then I met like, uh, there was someone really awesome. I met who's like a diversity manager at Macquarie university. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to talk about that. And it was, you know, the next two and a half hours were just talking about diversity. Um, and it was interesting because it just doesn't matter what someone's job is. You're going to, 
if you fo- if you just focus on being interested in what the other person does, um, and everyone has something interesting. It doesn't oh, matter yeah. if you're, you know, it doesn't matter what your job is, quite literally. Like, you know, you can be the guy at Bunnings that... Uh, Stack cut, shelves. Cuts, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cuts the wood for people, like mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Or, you know, or you can be like an executive at a bank or whatever. Like, there is an ocean of information that if you don't do those things, you you have no idea about. Oh, yeah. And so, it's just an interesting... It was just an article saying, like, it's, it's really important to just ask people essentially, like, complicated questions that they have to talk for a long time about. Um, and they're like, that that makes people remember you and stuff like that. And I was just kind of like... It also just is, like, being nice. Like, not not the nice part in particular, but the, um, the idea of, like, in recent years... Because in the sim, well, not in a similar way that, that you have anxiety, but in a different way that I have anxiety, like kind of social anxiety. One of my things that it happens to me is I, um, when I'm in an uncomfortable situation or with a larger group of people, I'll just chatterbox, which is a very common thing, and I'll just yeah. won't stop talking. Uh, and then I feel really guilty about doing that, and then I start not wanting. I get that as well, hundred percent. That's yeah. that's very common with general anxiety. And then I, um, then I learned like like I didn't really notice this until like Laura was saying to me like, hey you know, this is the kind of thing that you do. And, and it was coming from me being really wide. And then I learned over time that it's so much more interesting to listen. Oh, then you got so much totally. more to like, it's just more interesting. Like life's more interesting when you're not just blabbing all yeah. the time, uh, which is funny coming from me. Cause most people who, who know me, you know, know that I talk like a, a machine compared to. It's, it's a very common anxiety thing. Cause you just like, because it's kind of, I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's an assertion of control, maybe mm-hmm. like not in a nasty mm-hmm. controlling way. But it's like, as long as I'm talking, I know, I know that like, I can understand the situation. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. And once the other person starts talking, you're not focusing on what you're saying anymore. And therefore you can think and your thoughts can wander and the anxieties can come. So I think it's like an avoidance thing. But as we all know, like avoidance is one of the worst ways to manage with anxiety or anything like that. It that just makes the ball get bigger and yes. the snowball happen. So it's like, it's better to just acknowledge it in the moment as mm. you would with, you know, with CBT, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy. You'll go, oh, this is happening. I now must do something about it. Mm. And the doing something about it is I'm going to focus as hard as possible on what this person is saying yes. and ignore all the other stuff because that's anxiety mm. rather than going, I'm going to talk as much as possible to fill the space of time because if that's happening, then I'm not going to be thinking. Yeah, that's right. And I often don't remember what I say. And I also find that I get really uncomfortable with other people. Like if there's like a group of people and and one or two of them aren't talking, one of them tried to talk, I get really unsettled. Yeah. And so like it's part of the reason why I talk so much because I want to bring people in and I start making, I'd start doing things that make other people feel uncomfortable. Um, Some people just don't talk much. Yeah, that's right. It also depends on the situation. Like, if I go to something and everyone's talking about, like, football or something. Just oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, football fans, but I'm not uh-huh. a football fan. It's It sucks because I feel like there's football, surfing, and music concerts and stuff like that. It's oh, like, yeah, music. I, I just... I'll ask, I'll ask questions. Like yeah. I said, anything can be interesting. If, mm. some, if, if people start talking about their teams, I'll make it very clear that I have no fucking idea what anyone is yeah. talking about, but I'll ask about their teams. Because... Like, it is interesting. Yeah. It's just I don't care in that it's a part of my life. Like, I, I don't... Yeah, I won't, go, I won't go suddenly sponsor or, like, jump yeah. on and, like, look at it. And- but I care in that, like, I would happily go to a game of literally any sport except mm. golf. Or- I would do... I would probably do any sport once, even golf. Cricket. I, would- I don't want to go to cricket. 
I, I, I don't... basically asking for sunburn. <clears throat> Stand in the sit in the sun and watch people hit, like hit something. Hit a hard a rock, yeah, with a stick every fucking forty minutes. It's like it's like baseball. It's just something about like like I'm gonna get this rock. This thing can like kill people and break skulls, and I'm gonna throw it at you as hard as possible, and then you're gonna have to stand in front of these wicked things and hit with this this small size bat. That is baseball is boring, but so much more interesting than cricket. <laughs> that's that's saying something about cricket. Sorry, cricket fans. Once again, like there's I'm another. Not sorry. Uh, yeah, I got a few people that. <laughs> sorry, like, Dave. <laughs> sorry, Matt. Matt's a Matt's into cricket. Really? But he also finds it funny when I talk about cricket because I'm yeah. just so cynical about cricket. Um, but yeah, anyway, so this is actually a really good breach. We talked about computers. <laughs> we talked about mental health. Now let's talk about Inside Out, which yeah. is kind of, it isn't a film about mental health directly. Yeah, I think it it's, is. you know, it's funny. My initial watching it, I've, the, the second time I've watched it mm-hmm. and, I, and I came away the first time remembering there being an emphasis on like depression. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. No, she never actually she, gets. She, she, yeah, she's not yeah. depressed. She's just. Um, she starts to get depressed. Yes. Yeah. But uh, and but I think that it was that, and that's actually a far smaller portion of the film than what I remember it being. Mm. Um, but it's I, almost like she's getting becoming depressed, but she never gets there. But it's it just stages. expressed it in a way that that anyone who's had depression, well, at least f- for me, anyway, it was the most like su- succinct demonstration of what it feels like. Mm. It's the only thing I've ever seen that, like, visually, in terms of audio, in terms of, it's the only real, almost metaphor. You know, it's the only thing that I've ever seen that is, if someone said to me, like, I don't really understand depression, which is conversations I've had before, and you try to explain what it's like and they don't. So, you're just really sad? Is that what it is? It's yeah, like, yeah. No. <laughs> no. It's like, imagine having a very strange type of brain damage, <laughs> like, that numbs you and makes you apathetic and makes you disinterested and mm. robs you of a lot of, like capacity to enjoy things yeah that's right it's you know it's not that you uh, you're not sad you can be cheered out of sadness Mm -hmm. you can sadness is fleeting and temporary um depression is a very 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 different concept Mm. so for some reason i remembered her getting depressed but she doesn't and uh, but there are symbols in it like uh, the islands and things like that it's perfect and that's true i think that if like if you've ever had long-term depression i do think that you come out of that with your islands either severely damaged or some of them are gone Mm. and they don't come back Mm -hmm. um because when you do get long-term depression, it's like your frontal lobe might shrink. Your brain restructures when you're depressed um, on a physical yeah, yeah. level. And so, that, I think, was a very clever way of demonstrating those things. And then at the same time, like balancing the ideas of childhood expression of emotion and sort of bumping up and down. And it's an incredibly ambitious film. Mm-hmm. Because it's trying to tackle really complicated things in a way that needs to be simplified without oversimplifying it to the point that they trivialize it. Mm-hmm. So they never make anything feel trivial. It all feels, it all has its weight and its importance, and you never feel like they're skipping over stuff. Uh, and yet they do everything with, with visual and audio and character and stuff in a way that's so efficient oh yeah it's interesting because it's one of those films that although pixar's sort of had a rocky five or so years you 
you kind of always reach a point where you go, oh, they'll never get better than Toy Story 3. Or what can they do better than this or whatever? Yeah. And then you watch something like Inside Out and you just go, fuck, they just... Smashed it. Yeah. It was... I think it's one of the best films that they've made because of that. So it's a multi-layered approach to something uh, that is very complicated. It it takes a lot of effort to make... I'm trying to think of like... A, when, when, when you watch a figure skater do what they do... Mm-hmm. It, it looks easy. Or you watch like, you know, Steph Curry do a three-point shot. It looks easy. Um, but it's because of the massive amount of work and complexity of systems that have gone into what they're doing and the knowledge and all that stuff. Inside Out works in such a smooth way and addresses such complicated things because they've gotten that good at doing their jobs. Well, that's actually an interesting point to make because I watched all the behind the scenes and stuff like that. One of the things I mentioned was that I, I, I can't remember exactly the turnaround, but I feel like they, they had four four years from the beginning and they went they like completely restructured they had that idea of like you know the mind of a, a little girl they, and that was it uh and they supposedly like i think like a few years or a year or so in they like they they changed writers they completely restructured everything and just started from scratch with that same core concept and then that's when it kind of picked off and it was really fascinating to see how much failure existed in that you know and it was causing a lot of stress for the director you know because it's quite a a serious kind of like it's a pretty big title and it's it's so even the iterations of all the characters and they i remember watching a bit about just talking about who would be with joy on her trip because they first were like well She's going to be by herself on this journey. It's like, well, then there's going to be a boring movie. I mean, they say that, but then Wally was an amazing film. Um, but then they're like, okay, who do we throw in? And then you see some of the combinations and you're like, oh my God, I couldn't even imagine the film with like, with um, just, uh, what's it called? The the imagina- the imaginary character, you know, just him. Oh, Rip Bobo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boing, boing. Boing, boing or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like one of the versions of that was just her and boing, boing. Um, and there was also like uh, just basically all of the characters they kind of threw into that thing until they got to the point where they're like, no, this made, like it was the last decision they made, which was the sadness, which seems so like it makes, like you said, seems so effortless and so it makes so much sense. But then in reality, it, it was a lot of trial and error to get to that point. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's like when they, when they did those scans, x-rays and stuff on the Mona Lisa, it's like. Oh, I you know, it's like yeah. 20 different versions of her facial expression mm. on that painting. And it's you. It's not about the finding the right thing. It's about eliminating the wrongs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's why you know, I wrote about in a blog like sometime last year, where it's just the huge importance of failing um, in creative work. And that's the thing. They would have just failed and failed and failed and failed. And it's frustrating, but then you end up with the film that they had. Mm. Uh, and if they hadn't gone through the process of failing continuously on different ideas, th- it would be a different, very likely, f- nowhere near as good film. Mm. My my best, uh, not that I do like any uh, level of drawing that they do, but my best versions of any of my drawings have always been through... Like I've done a sketch and then I've drawn over the sketch and I've drawn over the sketch and then I've drawn over the sketch and then suddenly I, I like really understand it. I'm like, oh man, those have been, technically speaking, those have been the best drawings that I've done. And I keep telling myself, you got to keep doing this. You got to do the sketch first. And then I don't, I get lazy and then I just do the first. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest part about script writing is that you do all this work, you get something out and then it's on paper or on the computer or whatever. And then you sit there and you go, cool. Now I have to like start again. 
mm-hmm. and keep doing this until it's workable. Mm. And then, you know, they'll redo it again when they shoot it. They'll redo it again when they edit it. Yeah. And it's it's just a thing of making something that looks effortless. It doesn't matter what it is. Always has a huge amount of work behind it. Mm-hmm. And you just see in that film sort of so many different ideas of how do you express this? How do you express that? You know, they come up with all of these really simple ways of showing stuff when she sort of starts getting into that place where really is depressed. It's like the emotion control panel starts turning black mm-hmm. and they need to reconnect. And they it. can't control it. Like they're trying to, the emotions yeah. are trying to control it. They're being they shut down. Yeah. Uh, Cause she doesn't care anymore. Mm. And it's that thing of, you know, that that would be a whole discussion is like, how do you show that? Mm-hmm. Like what, what is the device that we use to demonstrate that? And how do we take as best a Star Wars approach to this as possible? Wherein, you know, no one's sitting there going, and this is how the Millennium Falcon works. And yeah. Exposition-y. Yeah. yeah. It's that thing of how do we make it feel like all of this stuff will work and how do we express it? And the islands was a really clever thing. And they have that nice montage at the start. That is the exposition that's like, here is the universe that we're in. Let's set that, set this up. And it's all like this, but they do it so efficiently and inoffensively that it's, and it's necessary, right? Otherwise that movie would be like, what the fuck is going on? What's an Island? Yeah, that's right. And that actually, that's a good point you make with, cause Amy Pullman makes a, a point about this film when you say, uh, in, in, I forgot the, the wording that you chose, but she says that one of the things that she really was like, what she really loved about this film in particular, why she wanted to be on board was that it, it's, it's one of the few films that doesn't like, it's not, it doesn't portray a real negative aspect. It's quite a positive film. It's a, it's a really positive film and it has one of the most beautiful things of one of the things I like about it is that joy is really interesting because joy, you know, when you feel down or you feel depressed or you feel any of those things, it's mm. like. When, you, when you're depressed, you're basically the worst. Like, depressed people are the fucking worst. Because you can't cheer them up. Mm. You can't... At some point, you just have to hit a level of, I just need to be near them and be supportive, and then that's all. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah. You know? And you can't... Even if you get frustrated, you can't be angry or whatever about can you just fucking like stop being this way Mm. because that's how you feel when someone around you is depressed it's very frustrating so one of the things i find really interesting is like joy also reminds me of people who have never experienced depression and don't go through that stuff and are just the constantly perky type of personalities um and it's just interesting the I think there's a huge pressure on people to try and deny that there's bad things in life and that people get sad and that they feel Mm. negative things. And I think that those things are not only are they valid, they're important. They're part of what makes life life. Mm. Like the world's a fucking messy place and our brains are really complicated and, you know, bad things happen. And it's okay to feel down. Because, you know, I don't really like the expression when people say, like, you don't know what, you know, uh, happiness is so much better if, you know, you felt really sad or... Oh, the contrast concept. Yeah, the whole contrast idea. I don't subscribe to that, but I think that you are a more full person if you are open to experiencing uh, the things like you know sadness mm. particularly and that's the thing is that at the end of the film right all of her core memories 
uh, uh, it's not just yellow and blue. It's not just mm. joy and sadness. There's actually anger in there and this and that. Yeah, it's yeah. about accepting what the reality of life is and how constantly evolving it is. And, and, and it's a film about accepting that it's okay for life to move forward and mm-hmm. for things to change. Like, um, you know, Joy is trying to hold on to everything all the time because everything's important. You know, when they're like vacuuming up all the different yeah, yeah, memories, yeah. it's like, because they're not important. Mm. If they're important, she would have made them a part of her life. Mm-hmm. She would have kept doing piano. Yeah, that's you right. Know? And the the thing that is interesting about it is, is it sad that you lose things, people in your life or uh, places, you know, uh, that you used to go to or things that you do? It's that nostalgia thing, right? If you constantly think of everything as joyous and, and, and relevant to you, uh, then I think you run the risk of becoming one of those people who's addicted to nostalgia. Um, whereas I think it, there's, you know, I'd love for certain things in from my past to be still a reality, but you look at it and go, well, it was good for when we had it mm-hmm. and now it's over and that's just the way it is. Whatever that might be, right? Like I think back and I go, wow, you know, school as it turned out was actually really Shit. comparatively. Well, I fucking hated school, right? Yeah, I had a horrible yeah. time at school, but you... Uh, when I think back on it, you know, I wish I could insert my adult mind into that, into mm. that teenager and go, bro, this is easy. Yeah. <laughs> like this shit is simple. Yeah. Life is so basic and, and just, but that's one of those things, right? Like that's, you sort of, sort of start falling into that thing of, oh, I wish I could go back and all that kind of stuff. But if you pay me a billion dollars, I fucking wouldn't go back and do that shit again. <laughs> like, cause you don't, it's also all relative as well. Like, you know, in that time, like in this story here, the her moving from one part to the world to the other is the biggest deal in her entire life. To the parents, it's obviously, they, they still obviously think, oh no, I miss being home and I know this is stressful, but they, they're, they're, they, they don't react like she does. Be, be, because like, yeah, living in Minnesota, maybe they've lived in Minnesota or their memories with her in Minnesota are just a chapter. Yes. When you're a child- that's your life. It's, it's the entirety, right? Yeah. So it's like if I go, if you're standing next to a 10 year old and you go, oh, in 2009, this is what I was doing. And they're like, I wasn't born. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's that thing of whatever they've experienced um, is the entirety of their life. And, and so therefore change is astronomically uh, more powerful, more powerful concept. Mm. Um, and but that but i do think that there are people that also just grow up and don't accept that things change but but i but i think that that's one of the wonderful things about this film is that it's it's about letting go of it's not about letting go it features the concepts of letting go of things mm. accepting that you move forward and that things change and it present there's, there's a thesis in the film right it's presenting an argument it's saying this is what we think the importance of the a full range of emotions is and of letting go of your past. This is the, this is what we think about that. Mm. And people could you could have a counter version of that film, right? Where it's like fuck you, sadness. Oh um, yeah, totally. But I think it's a film about being healthy and uh, emotionally healthy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I think that. But the thing that really connected with me was really that idea of the islands stuff was mm-hmm. a huge thing. Because for me, that's like, that's something that really resonated with me was the islands and the 
things shutting down and changing and all that type of stuff where you where you I think you go through certain chapters in your life it's like at the end of the film she she doesn't just have hockey island family island friend island goofy island I think it was yeah yeah goofball island goofball island she's got like fun island she's got 15 20 islands by the end and i think that that's what life really is is that if you hold on to something so tight i think you're more likely to strangle it than you are and that's joy joy's character in this is uh strangling everything if she just let everything if she hadn't tried to stop sadness all the time the whole thing wouldn't have uh, the whole thing wouldn't have Mm. Uh, happened or it would have played out in a healthier way is what I think Mm. it still would have happened but I think she wouldn't have lost her islands Mm. you know and it's that interesting thing of like um just the 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 way it really has that sort of thing as well of um how our emotions control us particularly anger um that's a really really hard one anger and fear and then I think fear sort of falls into frustration and a whole bunch of Mm. other things and and, and I think that it's really interesting that you sort of experience these things where you go, where your emotions end up controlling you. Um, and that's another really interesting aspect of the film as well. well. Let's take it back to Joy, because uh, it's interesting that you say what you say about Joy, because I see, because I, I, what I'd like to do is actually go through the characters and the kind of main locations, like the, where they go and how and the experience of them. Because I think that that's kind of the structure, and what that would be the most interesting way of dissecting this. Because for me, joy, joy is this film resonated with me in such a strong way. Because, in in the same way that it kind of was portrayed, is that joy for me is the kind of voice in my head that that always says everything's okay, everything's fine, you know, like, and it that does doesn't let go, that doesn't, and it and it suppresses a lot of the other. Uh, emotions that exist because everything has to be fine everything has to be okay and in recently my life is that that's that's been part of you know like the battle because when you when you give one emotion too much emphasis and too much power then you all the other ones end up just shutting down and that's what happens you know like your ability to you know, like, I mean, they all kind of flare up in their own kind of way, but the but the joy takes over and it starts to, like, really become a problem. And I think in the same way that obviously the end of the film describes is that it is really, it is very much a combination. It is very much a mixed thing. There was a really interesting part of um, the, the documentary that they were talking about in this, uh, like, you know, the behind the scenes or whatever. He was talking about relationships with people and he was talking about how the relationships between all... Um, like anyone that you're really close with doesn't exist on one version of those, that spectrum. doesn't exist in just joy or doesn't just exist no, no, in no. that. The deeper relationship you have, you experience the range yeah. of feelings. Um, and that, and, and the closer you are with someone, the more someone has been in touch with that, that range of feelings. And it kind of reminds me of like, of that importance of allowing everything to exist, all those emotions to exist, to get close to people because if you're suppressing that, especially with people that you are really close with, then you're not doing yourself or them any service. You're just you're just hindering uh, what what is what I figure one of the most important parts of life, which is you know people and uh, and experiences. So yeah, anyway, so joy for me is actually like a reminder, very much more literal in this film, the reminder of 
how how easily you can get sucked into that whirlwind of like everything's fine everything's thing it's okay things were better back then we can make that work yeah. and and ignoring all the, the parts that are saying no 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 you need to experience this you need to be you know you need to be fearful and anxious at this moment you or you need to listen to that even if you don't need it to take over but you need that to be part of your life because mm. eventually you suppress that to such a point where it needs to yell just to get your attention and that becomes completely disorienting which i think is kind of what happened to me to a certain degree like i've suppressed all that to such a degree and then responsibilities and life started to build up on me and then suddenly you know my anxiety just goes bam out of nowhere just like completely throttles me the anxiety was always there and i can i can pinpoint it through my life very easily yeah i think that yeah uh, no I, yes yeah so what about sadness like what so how does that resonate with you that character um because you know sadness is all about depression <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I think that's interesting because, like, I I don't think I get I don't think I get sad very much. I quite enjoy the like if I'm like films and things like that that take mm, me down that path. I, that one does. I really like that sometimes. You know, sometimes sometimes you I'll be flicking through stuff and maybe I'll come to I don't know like Goodwill Hunting or mm. I don't know, some film and you go. Oh yeah, you know what? I could fucking cry for twenty minutes. That sounds <laughs> fine. I think that the interesting thing, or, or the, bef- before I go on about sadness, what what you just said, the thing it raised in me was just that idea of a healthy emotion diet mm. is what kind of what you're talking about. It's like if you're gorging on joy all the time, then ignoring the other stuff, then uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have no immunity to sadness. You mm. have to have those things in your emotion diet in order to uh, be able to to deal with them when they hit you hard. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I've experienced that during depression. I think I've discussed, in fact, on the podcast, I think I have before, when I, like, you know, was coming out of a, a, a lengthy depression and then sort of had a bit of an anxiety uh, moment about something because I was feeling an emotion that was making me feel very uncomfortable. And then I sat and did some... Uh, uh, CBT uh, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, and was like, okay, what's going through your mind? All that kind of stuff. And it was, it was happiness. Oh my God. I, I was happy and that was making me feel very anxious. And because you can't be happy, like it means that you must have forgotten something. Yeah. Right. Yes. There must be something that you're not, not, you're not remembering because there's always something wrong. I get anxious when I'm, when, when there's like calmness. When I'm when there's silence or when I'm feeling yeah. like when's the storm? Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh my god, you're not you're not worried about something. Yeah, you should be worried about that. I'm like, come on. And you and as you like go through like a CBT journey, you get better and better and enjoying that. It's like say after like I finished a massive project and then maybe I've only got a few small jobs coming up or something, and you sort of start. It's like no, for the next two or three days, I'm going to enjoy the fact that I just did a lot of work and accomplished something, mm-hmm. and then I will start focusing and re-energizing about the stuff that matters for the next phase but it's really important for right now that i enjoy mm-hmm. because if you don't do that and so that that was the thing for me is like joy was like not existing in in my emotion diet i i've often had a fear of sadness mm-hmm. but i think that's because i always i can get overprotective about that emotion because i get worried about where it might go but it's irrational because that's not uh, uh, connected to you know uh, long-term depression and, no. and other other issues so 
I've over the past, I'd say probably like three years, um, I've really, that's actually when I just sort of, I would go through my movie collection and I like a lot of really dark films. Mm. And so I just sort of go through and discount, you know, I'd find like two out of all my films I could watch. Cause it's like, oh, but that has that one scene that like really uh, upsets me. Uh, so I don't want to watch that. And so, so, and, and rather than doing that instead, it was like, no, put it on. Let's, let's watch that film and let's go through that. That's part of life. Mm-hmm. Like shit stuff happens and it makes you, um, you, you just can't ignore particularly sadness. I think that because sadness is just, it's inevitable. You're going to, you're going to have to feel various levels of sadness at some point. And if you're not familiar with it, uh, sadness, disappointment, all those, those kind of emotions, then you're not going to handle it very well. A lot of people write stuff about how sort of the younger generations, because it's, you know, you can't fail school anymore. You can barely fail at university. You can, mm. you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like when they hit the real world and then failure is constant, um, that it hits them really hard. And it's kind of like that. It's like, you know, maybe you're up for a really big, like, uh, contract or something or, mm. uh, you know, some uh, a client changes a project and they don't want to do something anymore. It's that thing of you have to, particularly in the type of work that we do, be used to disappointment mm-hmm. um, because it hits, you know. And it sometimes it's overwhelming as well. Sometimes like- It could like, be three things at, at once. Yeah. I just told you about having like that weekend, which is now like three jobs. I've been completely dead for like a few months, well, a month or so. And then like three jobs booked in on the same weekend. It's like, really? Like guys? Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah. And I recently um, went through like, this is, the, you know, like I, you probably get the grunt of this and so does Laura. And and it's like, I went through the, the, the cycle of like being just- feeling just shit about my where I am in 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 the industry knowing full well that this has one been one of the quietest years like last year 2018 was one of the quietest years in in and you're going industry. into the quietest season and I'm going to the quietest season yeah. yet I just felt completely and it's that thing of bringing back the yeah and and getting used and and just having that's one of the things I've actually gotten quite good at is disappointment um because you just got to learn to get punched in the face emotionally if you want to do things like film or documentary or whatever. You're relying on other people looking at the outcomes of what you do uh, in terms of having return on investment, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not, where, whether it be like, oh, we want to make sure that this thing has a really good reach and our audiences like it a lot or literally like we need, this has to make money. Yeah, yeah. So, when people are looking at that, it's like, it's not unfair for them to go, you know what? I'm not sure about this. Mm -hmm. And that's something you have to get really used to because particularly in the industries we work in. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That was a T actually. I'll have you know. I didn't say say it worked. I said worked. Okay, sure. It was a stumble. Uh, The industries we work in, uh, it's it's just going to happen. And so, that's one of the things that's really quite... Difficult. So it's quite funny that that uh, I think I think that's a lot of like the things that resonate uh, from from that film is that having a having a very deep understanding of this film, uh, and I remember this from the first time I watched it. Uh, I felt really adult. Mm-hmm. I felt like I'd achieved something. <laughs> like if I understand every single time, and I know it's universal, right? I yeah, know it's yeah. all as broad shotgun approach to these things as possible. But you, I, I identified with everything that's happening in it in a way that made me feel I've gotten over 
I'm on the other side of something, mm. and that something is uh, when, when, when the thing the thing they do very well in the film, and and that's really really it's it's such a great gag when she walks up to the guy and says, "Here's your bottle" or whatever, and he freezes up and it's a hundred motions in his head. That sort of puberty yeah, joke, yeah. right? The truth of the matter is that at that age, like as a baby earlier in the film, it's like you've only got X number of emotions. Mm. Your brain's just not that complicated. No. And then as you're, when you're a teenager, you're now, you go through and your brain start having emotions you haven't felt before. Mm-hmm. And Hormones. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the thing is, it's always about learning to wield things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's the thing that makes you sort of feel like you've sort of achieved something. It's like you go, I've got those badges. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was about <laughs> to say. That. <laughs> the film, what one of the kind of like on that exact idea, one of the things looking at that film that there's a massive difference between being like, oh, I didn't I, like that makes sense, or looking at the film being like, I get it. And I feel like watching this film, and there's that same kind of like badge of honor of emotions. Watching the film now, in particular, uh, looking at it and being like like feeling like it's reflective rather than um, something new, something that you don't understand. Mm. It, it, it does feel pretty. And it pretty makes you good. feel safe because you've got like the amazing creative people at Pixar legitimizing your current or previous feelings or ongoing feelings, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You've got it up on a big screen saying, Hey, this happens. Yeah. yeah. Like this is an experience people have. And, and when they go inside the parents' heads and it's that sort of, you know, rudimentary and it's still based on the same systems. It's slightly different. more developed, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, is, or unhealthy in the father's case, right? Yeah. Uh, and the thing that I did like about it is that the reference that, you know, as you point out, it's like sadness for the mum is the one who's mm-hmm. sitting the in leader. the center. And, and it's that thing of that... I like to think that because her sadness is so powerful and wants to touch things and do things all the time, it's like, oh, she got it from her mum. And anger was so overwhelming. It's like who was sitting in the centre in the dad's head. Yeah, there you go. And, and, it, and it's that thing of you kind of think that, yeah, she, I think she will go through some depressions in her life and she'll have some mental health problems and all this kind of stuff. She, It just sort of seems like... There's an interesting depth to how they sort of arrange the characters in the parents' heads that made mm. it uh, made it interesting. Well, it showed that the, like a really simple concept can be completely like unique and complex. Mm. The moment you go into someone else's head and you realize it's totally different in some ways, but it's the same idea, the same system, but it's just totally different. Yeah. So tell me more. Tell me about like. I th- oh no, I was going to say like if you want to go to the other ones, I'm well, st- I am starting to lose my voice now. Okay. But- well, let me talk a bit because <coughs> because I haven't even talked about sex. As I have a similar relationship. I, I don't often get really sad about things, but I do enjoy that. Like, it, it, there's a relief, you know, like I'll intentionally watch a movie like this because I know it'll make me feel sad and that makes and that feels good. And whenever I've ever been sad about something or I've ever had like kind of an emotional break or something, then I've always come at the other end feeling better. So there is some kind of relief in it. Um, but I was going to ask before we continue... Who's your leader? Who do you think is your leader in the in the emotional? If you could, I mean, obviously it's more complicated and it's not simple. But like, who is the one that's pressing the well, you know, in charge? I'll tell you, mine's Joy straight off the bat, easily. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have one. I think it would either be. It can be a combination. Oh yeah, it would probably be closer to like sadness and fear. I reckon. Okay. I think so. I don't do a lot of things. Not out of like I'm scared of doing that. But um, it's kind of risk averse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll 
really good tendency for this uh, for the industries we're in. But but you know, but I do think that I I I'm I'm continually improving on that. Where I just whenever I try to do something, I try to bite on bite off more than I can chew by a reasonable margin, so that I can come out the other side and go, oh, I achieved something instead of staying at the same level. Mm. All the time. Well, I mean, I think that's a battle with anything. Like with my own, like being on the more like, which I I totally see myself as on the joy capacity. Why that film resonates so well with me, but seeing the dysfunction and learning to take a more realistic and to listen to the other sides of my emotion and not to shut things down is 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 something that I have had to actively teach myself. Mm. You know, so so in the same way that we look in the mum's head and sadness is the kind of is the one in charge but she certainly doesn't come across as sad it's calculated and she's thoughtful mm. and she listens and she's interested uh because it's a developed emotion it's a developed understanding and i think that that i'm not that i'm like completely like a child though i do sometimes feel that way but i think that that i'm still in that developmental stage um with the joy part of my brain which is which is kind of ran the ship for for so long, and is suddenly being hit with life and responsibilities and everything, and it needs to listen to the other parts of of the of the controlling panel, or the other you know emotional characters, and the battle is that you know like that not the same way the same idea as yours but the that there is like everyone has their own little battle that happens that they learn from and you have oh definitely yeah I I like one of mine is. It's one of the things like I love information, so I like to read a lot. Mm. I like to watch a lot of things. Well, you're good I like on to, this podcast. I like to absorb a lot of stuff, yeah. just about anything. And it's like f- for me, what I would say about like sadness is I-, I have a very strong tendency to just go down a negative path in terms of outlook on the broader things. Right? Mm. I don't mean like this project isn't going well. We're fucked. Yeah. Uh, I don't take that into my professional life, but in my personal life, it's, um, you know, I'll be reading something in news and you just sort of start, you just sort of, I just start sort of thinking and it's a thing that I'm very like well-trained at going, uh, whatever, not in an avoidance way, but in a, you know, processing way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much pain in the world and so many horrible things and, you know, what's going to happen next and the oceans are going to rise and the pollution's going to choke everyone in China and, uh, you know, they're, they're herding people into camps and uh, they're burning, you know, Yazidi minorities alive in the Middle East and, like, you see that shit and you just go, what the fuck is, like, what is there to feel good about? And then you see... You know, that's why it's really great to have people like Bill and Melinda Gates around. Like, mm. he he every year releases a big thing of stats of, yeah, it looks like things are bad, but what got better? And you look at the statistics that they have from the data that they collect and you just go, wow. Yeah, child mortality so rates is, is gone down. Dropping, AIDS yeah. rates dropping, yeah. depending on where you are. But, um, you know, things like uh, infant, yeah, infant mortality is a huge one. Uh, poverty is a huge one. Starvation is a huge one. All these things dropping quite quickly. The overall crime rate in the world hugely dropping. Um, again, depending on where you are, but yeah, it's sort of, of like you know when people come out going, rrr, 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 it's so unsafe because of the Sudanese in Melbourne or some shit like that. You go, okay, well year on year crime has been like dropping mm-hmm. in Australia for a long time. So it's not. You look at all that stuff and you go, let's remind ourselves that. 
the information that comes to us has to be the worst thing that happens that day because it has to be notable, right? Um, and uh, there's that there's a great line in in Peep Show when they're watching the news and it's and, and it's a bus crash and a person died and a whole, like fifty people are injured and stuff, and this hippie chick goes. Um, Bad news, bad news, bad news. What about all the buses that got to where they had to go, you know, safely? And 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 Mark says, yes, the news should just be a complete dispassionate list of good things that happened throughout the day. That's a really good idea, except it would go forever. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's yeah. the important thing, right, is you have to come back to that idea. And, and I think that if you are interested in, I think that's one of the reasons why I think I don't get along with very like really perky people and happy all the time is like i'm just interested in sort of the i'm interested in in everything that's going on as best i can possibly get my hands on it Mm -hmm. and wrap my mind around it uh and you know there's a lot of bad bad shit in the world that needs to be fixed um and so i don't know why we hang out (laughs) not that i'm a perky like uh everything is great I to bring the darkness to you <laughs> well no i think i have a certain level of realism when it comes to like the world and how it is and and stuff like that but i also think that like um i am i i'm certainly more inclined to be like uh you know like you trip over and be like well now i know where that that thing is so well now that i tripped over like now i know how how to fall better you know like i'll i'll yeah. spin it in a how, how i like to try and spin it is it's it's it is important to be aware and that's enough mm-hmm. you don't have to you know i have this i have this i like one, one of the things i really liked i had a chat to someone ages ago i was like um i'd love to do a superhero film where the superhero's capacity is uh that he can take the burden of emotion, whatever that emotion might be. And it's like, so he could absorb <laughs> like, and it's like, what could happen? It's like, say, say maybe like, you know, say a nuclear blast goes off and it's like all the horrible or like a tsunami hits and it's all the people. Imagine if you had this superpower of being able to go, don't worry, all you people like, you know, 250,000 uh, people who've died, all of your families, which is millions of people. I'll take all your sadness uh, and I'll process it for you and then you'll be relieved of it. It's like, how much does that weigh? I was going to say, because like, I feel like you'd do that and then they'd be like, and he killed himself. And the person would be like crushing <laughs> into the earth or like trying to like stand yeah, up yeah. or something like that. I'm like, worst movie ever. Uh-huh. But such a fucker. I just love the imagery of it in my head. And I think of it that way. I just like to think of it as like, that doesn't exist. So you can't take it on board and process it as though it has uh, the depth of meaning to you as it would to the people who are involved. Mm. It's not, it's not possible. I think it's important to be realistic about that, but there are just, there's just bad days. You know, you'll see a school shooting here or you'll see, uh, if I'm perfectly honest about that stuff, I've actually really gotten to the point of just, Oh yeah. Another one. Mm, Which is sad. (laughs) Which is so fucked up. And then, but again, then what I do is I'll go out of my way to, watch documentaries or read things where it's like the parents talking Mm. and then you remind yourself that there is something real to be connected to about that. And I, and so I think that it's just that thing of being aware is the thing I have to remind myself of. It's like, that's enough. You don't have to, you don't have to sort of take on the emotion of it. 
uh, you, you, it's just important that you know that this is happening because if you can't do anything else about it, at least if you don't forget these things, if you remember that these things happen to people and, and that that information can keep moving forward, I think that that's really, really, really important. Like, and that's one of the things, you know, I do say, like, when people talk about stuff happening in the Middle East, I'm always like, uh, I'll often bring up the Yazidis who are a tiny ethnic minority mm-hmm. who have experienced things like getting shut in cages and burned alive by ISIS and just hor- horrendous, horrendous, like, beyond, like, medieval type yeah. crimes. And you just look at that and go, like, there's nothing I can do about it. But I'm not going to... F- I, I, I won't forget that that happened to you. Like, you might be all the way over there and from your perspective, you know, no one cares. But... Um, There's one person that does. I don't... No, I don't mean it in that way because that sort of makes it not narcissistic. But it's like that elevates your... Yeah. Like an over... I'm on a high horse. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like that. It's just that people shouldn't forget that that happened. And so I try to process it in that sort of way. I try to process and and whatever it might be, tiny little things, you know, crimes that the government commits and you just go, I'm going to remember that, you know, for fucking 15 years down the line when you say something or you ask people to vote for you on something, I'm going to fucking remember that you did that uh, because that's an important part. Why the hell are we friends? Because I'm like, I'm going to remember that. (laughs) What was that? I just Uh, followed it. Yes, but it's like... I'm sure it's all this information that gets pushed out of my brain and just re re-edited over all time. But but yeah, so I think that that's, that's the way that I deal with that sort of going down the sad path as I try to go, no, just focus on just it's enough to, 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 to try to be aware about things or to care in any way at all. Yeah. To care enough to, to want to know about it, I guess, because if you can't do anything about it. But obviously there's grades of it, right? So I guess that's the kind of thing. That's how I try to avoid my tendency to go down a path of negative thinking, which I don't. I just it's just that's not sadness. It's more despair or like uh, something similar. In early iterations of this film, uh, like you know, like script, they they had many more characters, and some Mm. of them were like despair and like the more kind of finer emotions, and then they like culled them down. Yeah, you know, final. I thought they might have done something like that because Mm. you just look at it and go. Sadness is very broad in the film. Like she is, mm. she does despair. She does, you know. She plays a lot. Of, she has, puts on a lot of hats. And so does Joy and and the others. So I th- that's interesting because it would just be it wouldn't be a good film, right? Mm. At some point, it can't be. Let's make it as perfectly accurate as possible. No, that's interesting because yeah, I think that it would have been not a good film if they had seventy different emotions or something. Yeah, it would have. It would have been more like a skit show. And it would have been boring. Yeah. It wouldn't allow that. And also, I think part- So specific, too. Like, the character would have had to come out in response to specific- And then they would have gone back and you wouldn't have seen that character yeah. for another hour. And they would have been boring characters, too. Yeah. Because, like- One note. <laughs> these characters, they learn from each other. Like, towards the end of the film, you can kind of see, like, how, she, how Joy develops. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's part of it, you know. And I also think it's, it's more, like, it's a lot of those emotions you don't really factor in when you're an early child. It is kind of, like, joy, happiness, sadness you know like it's kind of the, the basics yeah i think uh, yeah i mean for me like i was a joy driven child okay like i was i was the I, I was more anxious i was more like a fear driven child i think I, don't uh, know. I was fearful of stuff but i was really like a happy i was a very happy naive good versus evil mindset child mm-hmm. you know 
And that's why, like anything, the tiniest little thing, like a friend might uh, do the tiniest thing, little white lie or something. I would just be utterly betrayed. Yeah. Like I would be so upset Mm -hmm. because it would be, um, I don't understand how you could do that. Or as you get older, it's sort of like maybe like someone you didn't expect who'd always be nice. Like they'll go in on like a bit of light teasing or something like that. I'd be shattered by it Mm -hmm. because- it's you're either my friend or you're not my friend. There's no spectrum of anything. Everything is black and white. And so as a kid, I was pretty happy because I just thought there was like good people and evil people and you could tell what was what. And then comes um, Call of Duty 2 and you're playing the you know, <laughs> Germans versus the, or the Nazis versus the Americans. And it yeah, seems everything's still black guy. and white. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know that did, like when we play that game together, you're very much always the, the non-Nazi side. And I'm like, well, you know, at least I have consistent weaponry. Um, so, and very well-made weaponry, which is just... How you use it. That's true. Um, who won? Who won? Well, I don't know. Well, no, I know who won. <laughs> um, so, like, well, I mean, I think we can kind of, like, go through the other ones pretty quickly. Because they're also not really dived into in this film. But, like, I mean, fear is one of the ones, which is, I think, an important one. Because that, I think, for both of us, in some in some respect, is kind of the idea of anxiety and the worry, uh, you know, like uh, paranoia. Like- yeah, that's all folded into to, to fear in that film, for sure. She's anxious when she goes to school. She's not really afraid, mm. you know, outwardly. She's excited to go, but a bit worried. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, and then she gets there and it's like she falls apart because of sadness. But, but yeah, I, I, Fear's well done. I mean, Fear's quite caricaturish in it, um, but they have a few sort of notes of, like, subtlety of, yeah, anxiety and things like that. Well, I also think that Fear, you don't really see that on the main line because I don't think... I think there are probably a lot of people that it might be on the main line, but I, I, I would be surprised to hear that there's many people where, like, Fear is the front runner. It always is a co-pilot or like or someone on the, the kind of the edges that's kind of teasing their ideas in more less the driving force because you know like fear i guess the difference really is that f- like if you talk about it in the real world like fear isn't just an emotion it's also a very basic mechanism of the brain mm-hmm. so it's not just an emotion it's the lizard brain yeah if you think of it in those terms like it is it's fight or flight fear is there for a reason it's to keep you alive so um it's how you filter through a conscious and intellectual brain mm-hmm. that emotion. So if you fear something, is it rational or is it irrational or whatever? You know, um, if you if you have a tiger uh, and there's like a big lake of water, um, is if you if you put like a human mind or the problems of a human mind into a tiger, it's gonna be like, oh, I'm really afraid of swimming. I don't know if I'm gonna swim. A tiger doesn't see it that way. A tiger either sees something I can get through or something I. I can't get through mm-hmm. you know if i can't get through it i fucking run or i fight uh, yeah, yeah. and if i can get through it i'll just go through it so you know that's sort of the thing about fear is that it's yeah it's not just an emotion it's also got that um that survival mechanism uh, attached to it and i guess so does disgust and anger to their own respects because you know anger is kind of a part of fight i'd say yeah exactly yeah yeah it's part of like something's not going the way you want it to go i was actually watching a really amazing video uh that was sent to me and it was about uh it was about anger and it was talking about how like when you see someone who's really angry and you think of them as this kind of negative or this or like kind of like a downer kind of person it's actually important to conceive of the idea that they might actually be the opposite 
an angry person is often someone who's very hopeful that has been dissatisfied and that like, so they might actually be on the opposite end of that spectrum. Oh yeah. It's actually like, yeah, everything's going great. And they only get angry often because it doesn't go like they thought it would. <laughs> and, uh, and so our opinions on that, it can actually be really. It's about whether or not it's worth, there's so many things about anger. It's like whether or not it's worth expressing like, Oh God, you know, my housemate did something that annoyed me. Is it worth having an argument over? Is it worth having? It's like, no, go away, calm down, talk to them calmly about it and ask them politely not to do something. Mm. There's no fucking point in game. But there's also some, like, there's power to it as well. Like, especially when it comes to, like, strength or, or like, to, to be able to take on something that might be bigger than you think or, like, to yeah. over... Like, it's actually, I just realized... Every single time uh, Anger does something out of his own will, not every time, but I, I think most of the times, he always in some way battles fear. He always hits fear out of the way, yeah. lights fear on fire, like punches fear. Because like, fear is uh, caution. And mm. and that's the thing is that caution needs to overtake fear, because uh, overtake anger. Because anger is the majority of the time... Uh, anger is seen in a very negative way. Mm. Um, I... I've had to work hard to deal with anger. Like I used to be able to get angry really easily and stuff like that. And now I start to, and then I've gotten really good at processing it and then making a decision. Well, that's going back on what I was saying about <laughs> joy. I think quite a lot of my, like it's one of the emotions that I've been very uh, suppressive of is anger because as a kid, I was very angry. Well, I had a lot of angry tendencies. Like, I mean, we all do. And and I, it, it was not advantageous in the situation that I was in to be angry. And so I would, I'd suppress that to such, a, but to a negative point, to a point where like, it was an emotion that I wasn't allowing to happen. And it would, and what it was doing is it wasn't letting me, it wasn't allowing, having anger allows you to be who you are. It allows you to get what you want, or at least know what you want that you want to get. So that it's so without that, 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 um, without that emotion, you can't, understand yourself the the thing is people look down on it as most of the time people look at anger as like you've lost control Mm. whereas i tend to say to people like it comes down to the context there are times where you absolutely have the right to be as angry as you want you know if Mm. if someone truly betrays you obviously you can't hurt people no no (laughs) i mean you shouldn't hurt people is a better way to say it because people do hurt each other. But uh, if someone really betrays you, you have the right to be as fucking angry as you want, in my opinion. You can let rip. Like, that's the, you know, that's just one of those times. Mm. Um, and there's levels of anger, right? Like, you know, like I got angry when I went to Telstra the other day and I was mm. telling you about that. Like, when I was, I was annoyed at this guy at Telstra and he was telling me something that was like in violation of consumer law. And uh, I, you know, got frustrated with him. And I just ended up saying, you know, I was still calm at this point. And uh, I, I, he started to get angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said to him, okay, so don't tell me like illegal shit. When I come in here as a customer asking you questions, don't not tell me information and instead tell me things that are not legal. You have legal responsibilities uh, and, you know, contractual responsibilities. And he was like, well, I'm really sorry about that. I went, no worries, man. Next time I come in, just don't want to hear anything illegal. As I start walking out, he starts like... I love this story so Yeah, much. turns to have a bit of a laugh with his colleague. Yeah. And I just turned around and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, not shouting, not anything. Literally, like, this was my exact level. I went, what the fuck are you laughing at, man? Like, seriously, dedicated, lo- loyal customer, been with you for a while. Why? Yeah. Why are you laughing? So good. 
And, and it's that thing of like, that's a completely justified use of anger and frustration. Like that was an appalling way to, to treat someone who pays you a lot of money yeah. for a service. The reason why you're working there is- Exactly. You have a job because of millions of people like me. Yeah. So us all together, we are the people that give you a job. So, uh, as consumers, yeah, yeah, we provide you with an industry in which to work. And yeah, sure, the uh, the consumer isn't always right, but but that doesn't mean you're allowed to lie to them or to no, like no, no, no. I was, I did not go in with a. They're always right. I don't have that. I, you know, worked in customer service for eight years. I always walk in with that mentality. I walk in thinking, what right, what right do I have to be treated? What way and. And how would I expect to be treated? And how would I treat the person in this circumstance? Immediately getting into the interaction, he started telling me stuff that was not just a load of nonsense, but was in violation of the contract that we together had signed. The definition of a contract is, you know, <laughs> between mutual parties. And um, she, and uh, I immediately knew what his tone was like, you know, it was New Year's Day or the 2nd of January or something like that. I was like, it's your first day back at work and you don't fucking care. That's what's mm. happening. I'll get upset with that. Yeah, yeah. With a tiny, tiny dose of anger. And and that's the thing. It's like, there's... Some people will say that's ugly or embarrassing or something like that. But I I did use the exact volume and it, that was... Because mm-hmm. it's one of those moments where I, where I always think very hard before I do anything. You know, maybe when I was younger, I'd turn around and I actually, when I was younger, I would probably get extremely angry internally and then not do anything. Mm -hmm. And then it would just be in me in a really ugly, unpleasant way. And now it's just like, all right, directed that out at that guy. All right. What are we doing for the rest of the day? Yeah, that doesn't happen to me. (laughs) I'm still very immature when it comes to my anger. It's because I think that inherently anger, anger is so powerful. Oh yeah, is the problem. Anger, anger is blinding. Mm. Anger makes you. Uh, it can completely control you, and so I think that's the scary part of anger and why people have an unhealthy relationship with it. But I think that if you have to let it out every so often, when reasonable and at levels that are reasonable, you know, mm. a lot of customers would have fucking screamed at that guy, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I just let him know that I knew what they were doing because that's what I want to do. It was going to make me feel better and hopefully make him feel a bit bad about being incredibly rude. Uh, <laughs> and if but, it doesn't, screw it. It made you feel better. Yeah, exactly. I felt I felt like I was right and I felt like it was a justified thing to do. So, uh, in that sort of situation. Uh, whereas, like, you know, if someone does something and it's an accident... You see people get really angry a lot if you're out of the shops and someone does something and it's a complete accident. What the fuck do you think you're doing? Blah, blah, blah. It's like- Come on, man. I didn't see you there. So, what- like, What do you expect? I'm genuinely sorry, but I didn't do it intentionally. So, you know, that's the sort of times where when something happens, you you need as much information as possible before getting angry, I suppose, is the thing. And that's the hardest part is being able to pause the emotion long enough to collect the information to know whether or not uh, anger is a justified response. And it's part of fight or flight, right? It's like you have to, your brain is trained to either make you run or fight. uh, And that's what the problem is, is that you're going to just, anger is just, you know, we'll punch fear out of the way and and off you go. So, let's talk about disgust. Now, I can talk about this one because I don't, I didn't realize how much disgust I have in things. Until I re- compared my disgust for chewing noises and things on people's faces and like like food and stuff on people's faces and things like that. I didn't realize how disgust actually affects me. 
and because I realized that a lot of people don't, they're like, yeah, I mean, it's gross. It's got someone, something on their face, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it actually like really nauseates me. Uh, and also disgust is like, like they describe it in the film. Disgust is there as a, it's another defense mechanism, you know, like you find something disgusting as because you're afraid to eat it, you know, like it's, it's a, it's trying to protect you in its own kind of way. Oh, totally. Um, or socially protect you. I think, I that think was my, a- my list of disgust is pretty long. But one of the problems is because of OCD, it gets a bit polluted. So mm. I'll have I'll be disgusted by a lot of t- completely irrational things. Um, and then like I don't know, not disgusted by horse shit. Mm. I'm not, not really disgusted by cockroaches. Uh, yeah, right. Vile. I can't handle cockroaches. I, I'm freaked out about spiders, but like, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think cockroaches are like, oh, they're so cute. No, they just them, crawl I'll, over I'll, me. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that. But but they are like, they don't discuss until I squish them, and then that's <laughs> that's what makes me feel really that that that's the where I'm like, oh, because then there's the gooey stuff. And I no, okay, that's disgusting. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I I can't. I'll have mild disgust of things, and then you have to handle it. It's like you know. Juno will vomit everywhere or something like that. And you're just like, well, got to deal with that immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know how parents do it. Fuck that. <laughs> I think that it just happens. I, cause I, that's I think you get over it very quickly yes. from what everyone has told me, but I just can't see myself doing that. I don't want to deal with other people's shit. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. I think that my disgust on people's like, like food on people's face, like think of, like, I always say that. And the first thing a parent will say is like, wow, you're going to hate having kids because that's like the, the main thing that happens. It's like, uh, anyway, I don't know. I- yeah. Anything, anything like it comes to down to certain textures, but for me, it's banana and avocado are the two things that truly deeply disgust me and cockroaches. Maybe that's why we're friends because I can't eat those. So we don't ever interact yeah. in those environments. I'm your safety blanket. Don't worry, P.O., I won't ever order those things. Thank you so much. Unless it's a banana paddle pop or the little candy. That's bananas. fine. I don't get I don't get the allergic <laughs> reaction to that. So that's a, oh, candy bananas. I don't know. But yeah, okay. It doesn't taste anything like banana. It's not even the taste. No, it's, it's just, a texture. It's I a texture. But yeah, the yeah. smell, it's, it smells like a gas. It like makes, it fills my throat and makes me like. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like mandarin smell. Really? You don't like the mandarin smell? Mandarin is a beautiful flavor, but the smell is fucking disgusting. That's super It's foul. I remember we were driving back from somewhere. It was me, Georgia, and uh, I think it was Ella in the car. And then Ella opened a mandarin. And then both of us at the same time was like, who's eating a mandarin? (laughs) And I was like, do you hate this? She's like, I fucking hate the smell of mandarins. And she was driving. It was her car. So it's like. Get it out of the car. Yeah, you know, if you're the driver. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah, a long yeah. drive. It was like an hour and a half drive. Yeah, okay. And, and, and I was like, well, yep, I'm glad I'm on this side of that rule. Yeah, fuck yeah. But it's one of those it's one of those weird things. Like, I think it's like coriander, you know, people find it's disgusting. It's one, a thing like that. I don't think I'm smelling what other people are smelling. Like, no, you whatever must. mandarin smells like to me is like... It's like a light putrid. citrus. That's what it smells like. Yeah, what no, you, it, fills, it fills my nostrils and throat and it makes me feel ill. It fa- makes me feel like the room has been complete. All the oxygen has been sucked out. That's so interesting. Yeah. Man, i got so many things I'm going to do to you. <laughs> no, because that would just make it worse. Cause mandarin you know, farts? Yeah. I'm going to only eat mandarins <laughs> for three weeks and then just rip one off. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, I feel like that's kind of... That's kind of like the characters, right? We obviously, we, we dived into anger, disgust, fear, uh, sadness, and joy. So let's talk about like, let's talk about the scenery just yeah. really quickly. Try to kind of blitz through that. 
because um, you're talking about those islands. Yeah, you love them. I think yeah. I think that's a. I love that they're powered by the core. Yeah, the core memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think- well, it's it's about establishing the things that make you yourself, or whether it be principles or you know passions or whatever they might be. It's these things that had a moment in your life set you set things in your personality that are meaningful to you for either a long time or for some time or mm. you know Enough to create an island. Yeah, like maybe maybe eventually her hockey island does collapse and it becomes basketball island or mm-hmm. or you know lacrosse island, who knows. Mm-hmm. So it it's the thing but I think it's that thing of accepting that those islands can be damaged and put back and reborn. But they could also just never come back. That's you know, right. Maybe it's scary or maybe it's not. Don't do drugs. Yeah, I I love I I love how they collapse. There's a lot of moments in the uh, in the film where, like, she does something that's not like it's not like when she hangs up on her mum, and then suddenly there's a crack. Yeah, in, through in the family, family island, island, and it's just like, oh, they, there's a perfect like the the way they edited that, the way they cut that together, and the sound effect, and the, how that all connects. It's yeah. such a beautiful. It's because it's the first time it ever happens in her life. Mm. You know, she's probably never hit the hang up button on her mum before. Because the dynamic of her relationship with her parents is fundamentally changing. Yeah, that's right. And it and it's would, very secure, like beforehand, yeah. you know. Like- and it will never be the same again. Mm. So, they might be stronger afterwards, but they're going to have to go through negative things in order to reach a, a more advanced version of that same island. Yeah, they're going to have to rebuild it a bit. Yeah. And I think we all have our own, you know, versions of all these islands that are stronger and weaker and that... You know, like, and I guess you could always say that those kind of core ideas and the way that they kind of power these islands, they also, you know, especially once you get older, like you can only power a certain amount of things, right? You can only like, like, I feel like that, that inherently you, especially if you have a family and, you know, like you, you have to give so much to There's that. There's only so much you can care about. That's right. You know, and that's why actually uh, one of the fundamental things that I always think about, like when, you know, I always, I used to think, oh, like, I want to. Think about all of the life's problems and where I can invest any of my kind of uh, research and my interests. And I'm like, no, pick your fight. Like, doesn't mean you should ignore any other major concept. But, you know, like, if it's about sexuality and health, if it's about feminism, it's about, you know, um, the kind of climate change. That's probably, and and, and astrophysics is Mm. probably like the things that I'm like, I'm super interested in and that like, that I will fight for those causes, but I don't think everything else is completely bollocks. I just don't have the energy to be able to disperse that. Yeah, I think people have an idea of being... I think people. some people see people out there who have the capacity to do a lot of things all the time, and mm. um, some people just aren't that way. They care, about, they care a very great deal about a few things, or maybe those people care not as much about more things, or maybe they do care as much as the people who have a few things about yeah. them. But... I think it just comes down to who you are as a person and not being, you know, judgmental of those, how other people choose to sort of live their life. Unless, you know, not be judgmental. I think judgmental is such a knee-jerk reaction. I think it's just something that we do by accident. The vast Oh, yeah. yeah. Time to be- I think judgmental is something that you hold back on. Like you, you inherently putting people in boxes and doing oh, yeah. that. I think people you- judge constantly. Oh, yeah. I know I do. And mm. then I'll stop. And think about my judgment and then, you know, weigh in on it. Yeah. That's <laughs> Decide right. what I'm thinking about. Because sometimes you look at someone and maybe they only have like one interest in their life or something like that. And you go, oh, I think that that person's like... Lacking. 
or ign- maybe they're just being they're li- living in ignorance or they're doing this mm. or they're doing that and you might feel judgmental about that and you might mm. be compelled to say hey you should try this you know but then you realize that that one thing is what their life is and they love it and it's yeah it's exactly what they need exactly and maybe they will like the other thing and try that and then they'll mm. grow and that's off and what they do but you know you just yeah so i, gu- I guess i don't i don't judgment can be a very negative thing, but I think that the actual moment that it happens the vast majority of the time is very accidental. Mm-hmm. It just happens. I don't know. What do you think about the memory banks? I thought that was brilliant. I love... Yeah. Firstly, that they kind of look like a brain and they also like are so unorganized and messy and yeah. and the orbs that are like fade, they slowly fade and those dudes that like suck them out and just kind of like... I love how careless they are about getting rid of memories. Yeah, of course. The- memories are extremely unreliable. Oh, um, yeah. Because the problem is that the way that the way that a memory essentially plays out is in an extremely similar way to a dream. Mm. So, what happens is your memory goes into your head and then the way that it plays back is using a very similar mechanism to dreams. Mm-hmm. So, your brain is going to fuck it up. <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. Because it's a simulation. It's it, not memories aren't real. They're, mm. they're they're a rough approximation of what happened. So um, it's really interesting. As you know, I watch and listen to just endless crime stuff, and you know, it's becoming more and more popular to acknowledge the fact that eyewitnesses are basically the worst evidence in existence. Yeah, that's right. Everyone needs cameras. Um, which reminds me of that amazing joke in this, which is like um, uh, she bumps into the box of facts and opinions. Yeah, and they get confused. She's like, oh, no, these facts and opinions are all mixed together. Don't worry about it. It happens all the time. Yeah. I think that's like another, like, there's so many little jokes like that. that Yeah, truisms, you know. Even the the train of thought. Yeah. The thought train. The train of thought. One of my favorites was the piano thing. It's like, oh, she's not using it. The grade six piano, she's not using any of this. Uh, Just get rid of everything except for, it was like chopsticks and something else. Yeah, yeah, The two things that people always sit down to play their piano that they don't forget. Yeah. Um, and the jingle from the TV ad where they're just like, you know, every now and again, we just like to set it back up. <laughs> yeah, it's right. hilarious. We just set it back Should we do it right now? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and it's because it, that's kind of how it feels like when, when you get a jingle stuck in your head. Yeah. It just like feels like some jerk face is like, you know, sent. Like, it was so, it, that was the perfect way to describe it. There's, and I especially love those like, um, the, those characters that are such like the, the, the worker bees of your brain. I feel like they they personify like I guess what they would be is like kind of not they're like the neurons or your brain or whatever like they're like like that's how they behave and they're just the worker bees they just do the job yeah uh, and they're also like callous and you know like for them it's just like yeah we, we've got a billion thoughts to get through so let's yeah. I'm just gonna like zap all these up I, I think it's why we haven't still haven't successfully mapped the brain is so miraculous mm. and so unbelievably incredible uh the fact that we're able to speak to each other using uh, words and understand exactly what each other i mean that's just fucking mind-boggling oh yeah (laughs) and and i think that it it's just one of those things of the chaos that happens in a brain due to the nature of you know your brain is like a world and there's a lot of chaos in the world why? Because it's so fucking big and complicated. Yeah. And if you solve one problem, it creates a million other problems. Oh, yeah. There's all these different sort of other things. And and I think that, yeah, that stuff really is reflecting the... It's like they put all these little sort of true things about being a person, mm-hmm. having a mind, 
they put those things into the film and it's and it's funny you connect with it because you go ha, that's so true yeah um yeah i think they represent that stuff really well but and and they're really really good at all that kind of stuff and anyway whether it be toy story and they make jokes about toys or you know whatever whatever it might be they're really good at tapping into broad stroke humor mm-hmm. and that's something i'd normally mean as an insult but uh, it's truly the opposite with Pixar. They manage to perfectly encapsulate concepts that are very, very, very funny about being a person or a toy or an animal or whatever. Mm. Uh, what about, uh, sorry, this is on that topic. Uh, what was it called? It was called the, not DreamWorks Productions. Oh, yeah, the Dream Production Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is another like brilliantly <laughs> conceptualized concept. And there's, a, there's something really beautiful. Reality filter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a there's something that's really cool about uh, oh yeah so uh, I was thinking about like um, the I was once again this is going to the behind the scenes and we're talking about how like Pixar have this way of doing things which is just like it, there's so many layers and so much depth to it and there was one of the, it was just an interview with uh, one of the animators and she said that she gets really nervous because at Pixar they they don't wait for the final draft before they see your work. Yeah. They just, they see it at whatever stage and you've just got to be okay with that and be ready for criticism. And which is, you know, like the, the kind of, they, they describe it as like kind of family mentality that you're, you know, like you're, you always see your other family members, the flaws and, and the benefits of everything. And you're always trying to bump them and help them up. Um, and the fact that, that, that regardless of how someone feels, they had to express and show them themselves at their kind of worst so that it kind of allows them to generate more deeper concepts. And, you know, it can just be like uh, the way a particular background character looks or an idea of a story that, you know, whatever it is, it just feels like it's gone through so many filters before it even gets out into yeah. like the even the draft stage, which is just, I think, what creates such... Um, amazing work and to be honest they probably have a lot of dollars and a lot of time like the that's what like the same with naughty dog you know like they they make such good quality work but they have like you know like not an unlimited budget but you know may as well right yeah they're not rockstar they're not rockstar that's right those guys could but then again if they also spend that budget so much on their their work as well like they uh, they make the most expensive games in the world don't they they're rockstar yeah they must right they, yeah. they've got to be the 500 million or like one billion gta 5 cost over 500 million dollars anyway so yeah so pixar is a freaking awesome now we could always talk about the abstract place which i think was just a gag it's just yeah. a, a cool gag um imagination land was amazing uh, cause I love how that kind of like, just, it, it's just an awesome concept. But the one other concept that, that's, that's really beautiful is the, the memory bank. Is it called? No, memory bank. It's the, where you lose your memories. Where they, oh yeah. yeah. The pit the or pits. whatever it is. Yeah. And that was, I thought really well represented. I was watching once again, behind the scenes and them talking about it, but it's just like the, the sap of color, like the colors taken out of all of it, the way that things kind of like dissipate in that kind of way that reminds of the dream that's that's probably one of the main moments which made me really teary because i just like that's such a sweet and beautiful moment that happens where um i keep forgetting his name boing 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 uh well how do i forget that name uh like you know lets himself go in that you know yeah and it's something that's also really it's like one of the things like i i'm swear i probably had an imaginary friend when i was a kid but i just don't remember it i definitely did not have one okay well, I don't. I I always see that in things like films. It's quite a trope, but I never, 
never ever had an imaginary friend. You loner. No, I personified toys. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, it's not. You're not actually like it's not. A, it's everyone, I guess, has a different experience. But I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I had some kind of one, but I couldn't tell you at all what it was. Yeah, or, it's because you don't give a shit and you fade away like boing boing. That's exactly right. It's in my. Well, actually, there's so much in that pit. You know, I think the um, my little worker bees are working overtime. <laughs> I feel you in the pit. I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah, you are. Um, but anyways, I think that's about it. Anyway, wrapping it up. This was an amazing film. I really, really loved it. I love where it goes. Like, it's such a, like, the storytelling of it. And, and like, even just listening to the conversation, you can do, I could talk about it for hours about every kind of individual moment. I could, we could do, like, a watch the movie, pause it, and then talk about a scene. (laughs) Like, it's just one of those films to me. If you do that, that will happen with Star Wars. And you have to do it nine times. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I, 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 I feel like what I would say about it is it's an astonishingly good movie. You know, it's not just a great animation. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah if, even if you took the, like, the, the class out of itself, you know, it's just an amazing film. What are you showing me? I can't read it from here. It's an... At- <laughs> uh, for the people at home... It says on the cover, it's an astonishingly good movie. Not just a great animation. Sydney Morning Herald. Do you believe that? Yeah. I believe that. That's, yeah, that's a great when you song. said that, I was like, it's it's not just it, it is actually just an amazing movie. That that betrays like a real problem in like audience and critic universe. If it's a comedy, it can't be a great film. If it's an animation, it can't be a great film. It can't be taken seriously. A number of times I hear people say they can't like, oh I don't I don't watch Rick and Morty. It's a cartoon. Cartoons are stupid. Uh, yeah. I watch South Park, it's a cartoon, cartoons are stupid. It's like you know that concepts are different from a uh, method of execu- execution, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I get that with comic books. You know, like comic books. Oh, they're just no, for they're kids. For, they're for children, yeah. Yeah, video games are for kids. They're like, for children yeah, as well, yeah. So that's why they have an R18 rating. <laughs> All right. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much. Episode one, season three. That's it. The Phantom something or The Phantom Chili. The Phantom Menace Of podcasts. Woo! Woo! We did it. Done. Now you can finally blow your nose properly and, and, and sleep. Right. Bye. So that's the podcast for today. Thank you so much. First episode of season three. Stay tuned as there are going to be more episodes every two weeks. To keep up to date, don't forget to subscribe using Podbean or just whatever app that you're, you know, that you have lying around. It can also be found on iTunes and whatnot. I want to give a special shout out to Josh Lumberg coming back for another season, having a long chat with me and more to come from him. So thank you so much. And finally, this podcast was produced by me, Piotr Vasilevsky, and the music was sourced from the Filmstro website. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>